AFC West and Pass Catchers Day here on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. How are we? Happy Friday. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the first round of the Masters. Hopefully everyone enjoyed watching Tiger Woods absolutely kill it because that's exactly what's going to happen. Right, Jake? Exactly. He's going to kill it. Where am I red? You know, I am just vastly underprepared. You are wearing the red. I'm not. That That is just disgraceful. Who, who's the real fan here? Can never be me. Bird, Jake. Jake, how are we? Doing well, my friend. Excited Good. for this one. Had this one circled on the calendar. Oh, yes. This, this is one that uh, we definitely have uh, a lot to uh, to get to. So uh, no dilly-dally for this one. Let's just get right into it. One quick question, however. This comes from Scott for the mailbag. Scott is from where, Jake? Portland, Oregon. Always, always. Then, now, forever, Portland, Oregon. Scott asks, could you guys predict slash project one early bust from each position? So, very quickly, very little analysis. We have two position groups to cover today. So we have a lot to get to in very limited time. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Jake, who's your QB bust right now? Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers for me. Running back. Based off of ADP or is it just like you got to uh, give me a little bit of a uh... – I would say just based based off of I would say higher profile guys that are going higher. Like I don't think you're, I don't you're, think it's a lot of fun to say uh, Cordero Patterson is going to be a bust when he's you're going to hundred hundred and fourth overall. You're going to hate me, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott for me. Uh, that's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. Uh, I was almost tempted to write him down. Um, I went with David Montgomery of the Chicago Bears. Uh, wide receiver. If, if things do not improve vastly, it is DK Metcalf. Very interesting. I thought you were going to steal mine. His mind began with a D, but it did not. The next letter was not a K. It was a J. DJ Moore is is my bust. But I, I, I the DK Metcalf one is a very, very, very good shout. And for the tight ends, Jake, who is your bust? Well, now his ADP kind of sold. I was going to say Dawson Knox, but he's not really an early round guy, but it's the guy we talked about on the last podcast, Darren Waller. I'm going with George Kittle. Going with George Kittle just because of the concerns that I have with Trey Lance. Very tempted to put Debo Samuel in at wide receiver, but I think I've said uh, Debo Samuel is going to be a bust uh, multiple, multiple times on uh, on this podcast, so it wouldn't be too fun if I said Debo Samuel, but He's one that I also considered. Uh, Scott, thank you for your uh, question. If anybody else has questions they would like to submit to the mailbag, absolutely, please email in your questions, and maybe you'll be lucky enough to hear your question read live on the air. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. So, Jake, as previously mentioned, we have absolute eons to get through we have wide receivers and we have tight ends to cover today in an hour and 15 minutes we just need to jump right into it there's no dilly dally so same thing as for the quarterbacks same thing I did for the running backs top five jake since i started the running backs your turn your turn to start the receivers so your number five receiver please my number five receiver is Chris Olave, Ohio State. I went with Traylon Burks, University of Arkansas. Number four. Traylon Burks, excuse me, Maybe. University of Arkansas. I went with Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State University. Uh, number three. Drake London, USC. I went with Chris Olave, the Ohio State University. Number two. This is where I break out my my form. I know who you're going to say. It's Christian Watson, North Dakota State. 
That was the one I was I was waiting for it. He is uh, he is one of my one of my sleepers, but I knew you were going to put him in in your top three. So I did not put Christian Watson as my sleeper because I knew we were going to be talking about him anyway. Um, number two for me is Jamison Williams. And number one for you is Jamison Williams. The number one for me is uh, Drake London. So we'll start we'll start talking about Jamison Williams. I know the, the New York Jets are linked very heavily to him. Uh, Jake, what stands out with Jamison Williams for you when you watched uh, when you watched his film? Or maybe the better question is, what didn't stand out yeah, with it's Jamison just, Williams? It is absolutely incredible. You want to talk about a guy with top-end speed? Elite of elite speed. We are talking about a Tyreek Hill level of speed with Jamison Williams. Route running, it's almost like I tell everybody this. It's like if Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy all had a kid, this is it right here because – the route running, the ability to just go in and out of cuts is just like fluent beyond fluent. And then it's not just the route running. It's the yards after catch just based off of speed alone. It's just I'm faster than you. I'm going to run right by you. You're in front of me. I'm going to run around you and take this 80 yards to the house. It, this guy, to me, if he was in last year's draft, would have been drafted ahead of Jalen Waddle. I think this is one of the best receivers that I've seen come out of the draft in quite some time. It's unfortunate with the ACL injury. Luckily, science and all that stuff is all up to date. It's not what it once was with the ACL. And Jamison Williams, to me, is close to a can't-miss prospect as Jamar Chase was last year. I'm really excited to see where this guy goes. To me, the comparison that I have, and again, I I don't love to do the player comparisons. They're not my thing. But the comparison that I had for Jamison Williams was a taller version of Deshaun Jackson. He just has every everything that you want in a big play home run explosive x receiver this is your prototype for if you want a player that can just break your offense open and have you could have a guy that's going to take it 76 yards to the house with ease jameson williams is your guy and what's crazy too is for how fast jameson williams is you would think that he's maybe 5'10", 5'11". No, 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 no. He's 6'2". Yeah. He's 6'2". He is a monster of a human. 6'2". He weighed in at the combine, I think, at like 193. I believe is what he what he weighed in at. But it, it's just the, the, the combo of speed, the after-the-catch ability – the way he's just able to change on a dime, he is, he, he is, you cannot cover him man to man. You cannot do it because he's going to absolutely kill you. And he's going to blow by you because when Jamison Williams steps on the field, and this goes from when he was at Alabama, he knows he's the fastest guy on the field and he is going to show it whether you like it or not. He is going to show that he is possibly the best, most explosive player. On the entire field route running the route running with him. I thought was a little bit, I was a little underwhelmed by it, but I don't, I don't think it's more that it was more that I was expecting a lot from what I would expect from like a normal, I say normal Alabama receiver to be. Cause you know, I think we, you look at uh, the Alabama prototypes, the, the, the Jerry Judy's, the Jalen Waddles, the Amari Cooper's, the Julio Jones's these elite polished route runners I don't see that super polished route runner with Jamison Williams. He's a, he's a great route runner. I'm not saying that he's not, but there are some things that he can improve on for sure. But where he beats you, absolutely. His ball skills are tremendous. His speed, top tier. You want to be, he could beat you with a move in space. No problem. After the catch, superb. You want your guy to open an offense up. This, this, this is your guy. This is the guy to talk about for all intents and purposes. This, this he, he would be, if not for the medicals, and all signs are pointing towards that knee being fine, but for someone that is a, a, a knee guy and someone that freaks out about knees, it's why I put him at two with London at one. But Jamison Williams, for me, I mean, this I, I completely agree with you, Jake. If he had the kind of year that he had minus the ACL, Last year or even this year, he would probably be the number one receiver in the class. It's, it's it really is a one A one B for me between Jameis Williams and, and and Drake London. Still think he can be. 
Oh, I absolutely think it can be. It would first one drafted. It, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. It would not surprise me one bit. I know there are teams that absolutely love him, but I know there are teams also that have him off of their board because of the ACL, which to me, I think those teams are making a huge mistake. Should be noted that he did visit the Jets this week. Yes. Putting it out there. Yes, he did. He did. He did, in fact, visit the Jets. So I think the Jets, is, I think that's a perfect landing spot for him. A absolutely perfect landing spot. I hope so. Hope so. Hey, hey, they need a receiver. They need hey. a receiver. They tried to get Tyreek Hill. It didn't work out. This this is your guy. This is your guy, and you give Zach Wilson a 1A, 1B target to go along with Elijah Gimme Gimme Moore, our friend Elijah Gimme Gimme Moore, for the next 10 years or however long he is with the uh, with the New York Jets. But the one thing I also want to see with Jameson Williams, not to be uh, nitpicky because we have to uh, go on and keep the analysis you know, pretty concise, is I want to see him put on a little bit of a little bit of weight, tiny bit, but that's being very, very nitpicky. You figure rehabbing an ACL, whenever you're rehabbing an injury like that, you do tend to put on a little bit of weight because all you can really do is kind of lift upper body. Right. So we'll see. It's interesting. I do want to ask you actually one thing before, before we move on to, uh, to Drake London. Are you concerned at all about the – the one-year wonder that was Jamison Williams? No, because he – it's funny because he didn't play at Ohio State because they had two other guys who we'll get to, I'm sure, with the Ohio State receivers. But, hmm, like, yeah, he didn't play at Ohio State, but guess what? You know who else didn't play at Ohio State? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah. So – I, I think that we can kind of cool it a little bit on, on guys that didn't play at Ohio State. Maybe they're not necessarily looking at the right things or over there at, at Ohio State. So that doesn't really uh, concern me at all, being a one-year wonder. If he went back to Alabama next year, he would have put up the same production if he was at Alabama the year before. With Agreed. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, I think he would he would still go in the first round last year. So no, not, not at all. Let's move on to Drake London. I think if you're – Drake London and Jamison Williams, they are the classic different strokes for different folks kind of receivers, complete polar opposites. London's not going to burn you with his speed. He lacks that top-tier high-end speed. Also has medical problems. Had a season-ending ankle break in October. Had a bit of problems with drops as well, Uh the stats point out that out of 96 catchable balls, eight of them were dropped in 2021, but a polished route runner and the best contested catch receiver in this entire draft. He thrives with the physical side of being a receiver. He goes up, he comes down with the ball, and his ball skills are top tier. So if you're looking for that guy, it's going to be shifty, going to be great in space, going to take the top off the defense, it's Jamison Williams for you. If you're looking for a guy that could be a bit more physical, win you your 50-50 balls, and be sort of that athletic specimen that is just going to be bigger than everyone else in the field, that's Drake London few things with London. I don't want to repeat yeah. everything you said because what, what the hell is the point of that? I agree with Fair. a lot of what you said. Here is where I honestly contemplated dropping him down on my list. I'll explain why. He's in my top five. I'm obviously high on the guy as well. Here's where I get a little wary with him. Number one, he has a hamstring injury right now and he won't work out. Right. And that and that comes with, you know, the uh, with the ankle. Those things, you know, do do generally yeah. happen. But yes, that is a concern. Number two, Yards after the catch, not great. Uh, unexistent. I believe his yards after the catch in 2021 were 12.3 after being 15.2 in 2020 and 14.5 yards after the catch in 2019. No, and it even showed up on film because when he got touched, essentially, he went down. You know, you yeah. figure a guy that big would break break some tackles he doesn't have that. He's not necessarily like a slug, but he's not the fastest guy in the world. But 
just didn't make guys miss a ton after the catch, which is a big part of a lot of NFL offenses in this day and age. And we've seen guys just bust in the NFL that just didn't do that. We saw, I mean, remember Nikhil Harry coming out of Arizona sure. state. Sure. There Denzel Mims, who was a bust for the jets was another guy who I think that was maybe more a mental, but that's another argument for another day, but the yards after catch is a concern. Also, he's not listen i get it he plays big but he's not the biggest he's only like six three he waited he clocked in at the combine at six four and a half and, and another and another thing is though i believe he led the, the I'm, i don't know if he ended up leading the country in contested but by the time he got hurt it added this whole draft class he did lead this class in contested catches and here's my thing and that remained that remained, that remained. 19, 19 contested catches for the year Here's where I kind of get a little wary with guys with contested catches. Yes, I think it's valuable, but why are you contested so much in college? You know what I'm saying? Like, does that, or do you think that's just a non-issue? For me, that's a little bit of a, I don't love it type of thing. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I never thought of it that way. And I, 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 I think you make a, a, a decent enough point that, you know, if you're a real, it, in theory, if you are a real game changer at the position you shouldn't be having to rely on contested catches to be the reason why you get bailed out of certain things i guess that make that makes sense but i also think it comes down to that that being that that breakaway receiver is not necessarily london's game and i want to go back on something that, that, that you had said with the yards per reception because i also look at the average depth of target. And when I look at that and I say, well, I want to see, you know, what is average depth of target is how far is the quarterback throwing the ball when they're targeting him, his average depth of target. He had 12.3 yards per reception in 2021. So we'll go off of that number. His average depth of target was 9.2 yards. So I also think that that speaks more of the quarterback play at USC from a year ago more than it does London. Now, when he got the ball, yes, he went down on first contact. There's no denying that. That pops on film. It's very easy to see. But only getting nine yards to catch the ball, like, I I, I don't think that's necessarily on him, uh, perhaps. that That's just I, the I, way I also evaluate this. I think he's a guy where I think his landing spot will matter a lot. I'm not sure that he is the savior of a team's wide receiver room, if that makes sense right away. Mm -mm. Like the Jets for him don't make sense. Don't make sense. I think, and that's a ridiculous mock too, because listen, I I watched Mike LaFleur run an offense for an entire year. I know what he's looking for. And he exiled Denzel Mims from the offense completely. He's looking for route runners and he's looking for yak. Correct. Two things that, it just not really his game, and that's okay. I, I look at a team where I'm not sure if – obviously they have other needs, but like the Chargers make a ton of sense. The Browns. The Bra- Well, that's really late. They don't even have a first-round pick. But, yes, they would. The, the Cowboys make sense. If he's there. If, if he's, he's there, there I, would, the I, would e- like, I would like that a lot. The Eagles make a lot of sense as well. Yeah. 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 So the there's teams where, where I look at in their offenses. Like, okay, you know what? He works there. But anybody running that West Coast, Shanahan – Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, McDaniel type of offense. I don't think he's a fit in that type of system at all. And that's okay. Yeah, it, it just really comes down to fit. And see, I actually disagree with something that you said. I actually thought that London was a pretty solid route runner. I thought he was a better I, I thought he was me. a better route runner than Jameson. I thought he was more oh, no. polished in that department than Jameson Williams was. But and that's okay. But yeah, it, it's where, yeah. you know, we disagree. We're going to disagree on a lot of things when it comes to evaluation. It just comes down to what our eyes see. And I thought that he was a better route runner than, than Jameson was. But where Jameson really makes a name for himself is that breakaway speed, which teams really value more than that contested catch guy. Because, I mean, the speed, speed kills. Speed kills in the National Football League, where being the most physical guy and the mo- and the guy with the most contested catches. I mean, yeah, okay, you're you're going you go you you were great at contested catches in college against corners that yeah, I mean there were some solid corners in, in the Pac-12, but you know, we're not talking about high-end corners. You get to the NFL, 
it's 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 a different beast. It's a different beast. Odds are those, those some of those contested catches that you're you're going up against. You're going against a, a 18, 19 year old kid in college, and you're coming down with some of these balls. You're going you're going to be going against a 26, 27, 28 year old, and who are at your size, if not bigger. And some of those contested catches are not going to go your way. So I absolutely understand the concerns with with London. And I like him too. I'm just I don't want to. It's just you. Yeah. I could have said all the good stuff that you said, but yeah, there are definite we'll do that a lot. Yeah, there are definite concerns. I no doubt about it. And with with all of these prospects, I mean, we're we're not going to come on here and say there's there is not a perfect prospect in this draft. I just uh, yeah point that out now. If Jamison didn't have a knee injury, there would be no concern. Um, none. <laughs> I'm, I, I really was blown and it's okay. You know, everybody has that in the draft. Like to me, like the gap is really significant for me between Jameson and, and London and the field in general. I mean, I, I had London to me though. There's the medicals are more concerning for him because like he got hurt in what, like October with that yeah. ankle. Yeah, and he's still and dealing now, with the soft tissue injuries. And the soft tissue injuries, I am uh, – that's big, a big red flag. And he's a big guy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, his and, stock might fall a little bit. I wouldn't I'm be surprised. surprised. Yeah. I'm just surprised, surprised you're not coming at me for hating on uh, Ohio State. Mm, not yet. People not at yet. Ohio State must hate me. Remember remember me and Justin Fields last year? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there are – I can confirm that there are there are Ohio State people that listen to this podcast, and you have. Oh, yeah, they uh, probably don't like me. <laughs> no, no, you you bothered them more times than not with uh, with with Justin. But I mean, hey, Justin, there there are concerns with with Justin Fields, and there are definitely concerns with with Alave and with uh, with Garrett Wilson. I actually want to start with Garrett Wilson, and you do not have him in your top five. Explain no. yourself. All right. Well. Let's just like take a quick moment to just talk about the Big Ten in general. Who are the good teams in the Big Ten? Michigan, Ohio State. Okay, Michigan well he's State. on Ohio. He's on Ohio State. No, 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 no. Michigan State. No, 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 no. Wisconsin. No, I, I don't think so either. I think outside of Penn State and Michigan, it's like I was going to say Penn State. I would put. I would put Wisconsin. Maybe Iowa. There. No, the one that I would kind of look towards more is Iowa. Iowa, maybe maybe a year ago, not so much this year, but a year ago, Northwestern was in the conversation as well. Yes, but when I look at Garrett Wilson, all of his best games came against the inferior competition. That's number one. But number two, more importantly, is he ran a four three eight at the combine. He didn't run that fast for me on film. He just there's some guys where we'll talk about Traylon Burks in a little bit. Four five five was not indicative of what I I, I was shocked when I heard that he ran that time at the combine i saw a guy on film that was lightning quick i'm like this guy might be the second fastest guy in the draft honestly i, I how is he running this slow this doesn't make any sense to me whereas with garrett wilson i go he ran a four he ran a what just some guys are just very fast in a straight line and then in the game you you hardly i guess as a receiver there's one time where you're going to run a straight line that's a go route and that being a one trick pony like that running a straight line does not necessarily translate into NFL success. And to me, Garrett Wilson played slow. He doesn't have the elite physicality as a route runner. I guess that's great and all, but it was nothing like earth shattering and nothing that just blew blew the doors off me. It was just good. Not the fastest, not the biggest, the drops very concerning dropped a lot of easy passes like layup passes. We talked about this with the quarterbacks and the layup throws, Garrett Wilson was dropping, dropping those layup throws to him this year. The routine throws. He's he is like, I call it kind of like alligator arms a little bit. Just the hands were not fluent enough for me. And also, it's just like, it the combine speed just didn't show. I just didn't see special from him. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying you've seen this kind good. of receiver before. Yes, we've taught. Yes, exactly. Like. I, the the first re, first receiver drafted to me is pretty ludicrous. He could still be because obviously I'm not an NFL team, but I think he's more in the Jahan Dotson. Uh, give me some other names like him and Jahan Burks. Similar. No Burks. Burks to me is a is a good first round. Like I think he's more of a second round pick to be honest with you. I just don't see how he warrants a first round pick if we're being completely honest based off of what we've seen. So you think you think he's more of like a 
like a George Pickens, uh, a Justin Ross, a uh, like an I, Alec Pierce kind of receiver. Well, I think I Alec, love, Alec, I, Alec yeah. Pierce for me is like a round three guy, but I like I, him a lot. I'm not the biggest guy on Pickens. I'm also Ross is it's not. Yeah, I, I'm I not a Ross more, guy. I would say more so with Jahan Dotson, Alec Pierce that we that like more of those later Chris Olave, his own teammate. I don't have him like outside my top 10. I have him as I want to see here. I think wide receiver six or seven, but not my top five. But it's just a guy that I've seen before. And I don't really see the special that a lot of these other people talk about with him. So the, I would agree that I don't. I don't see a lot of special with him, but what I do see is a guy that right off the line gets that immediate separation. Now, can he keep up with that? Debatable, debatable. I've seen him get run down more times than not. And I'm the Ohio state guy. I've watched every Ohio state game. I know Garrett and I know Chris off the back of my hand. What, Garrett does well is getting that separation. That is his sort of game. The way he can stop, start, change direction like that. The body control on him is ridiculous. And when he has the ball in his hand, he is fantastic because he can make plays after the catch. But the problem is, it's like you said, getting the ball into his hand. He is inconsistent hands at best. So that has to be worked on. I look at Garrett Wilson and I have him as my number four receiver. He is one of those for me where I could put him four, five, six, or seven. And I don't think there's much of a difference between those guys for me. Yes. Like, so you're kind of on the same wavelength as I am. Very much so. I'm I'm more of in the boat that Alave is the more NFL ready receiver. While I think Wilson probably has the higher ceiling if they can correct some of the very fundamental flaws that are that exist in his game. And believe me, there there are a lot of fundamental issues that Garrett Wilson has. Yes. And another thing that really stood out for me is, though, I don't care. I get it. The numbers are the numbers. But after the catch, I just didn't see that dynamic lightning bolt type of runs like he's got fire lit under his rear. I just didn't necessarily see that from him making guys miss. It was a lot of, Oh, here you are wide open 10 yards. You see what I'm saying there? Sure. It just wasn't for me. And that's not, I don't think it's not that he can't be a good NFL receiver. It's just, I just think other guys are better than him. (laughs) Oh, I think there are other guys that are better than him as well. Let's just go, you know, talking right about his teammate uh, in, in Chris Olave. There are people that are going to say that if Olave went into the draft last year, he's a locked and loaded first round pick. There are people that even now are saying that they're not necessarily impressed with Olave and, and his skill set. I will say I admire that Olave went back for another year at Ohio State. Very commendable. I thought for sure he should have been out last year. I for sure. The tape I was that was one of my things was the tape last year was better uh, than this year's tape by miles. By, <laughs> by miles. miles. But the thing with Olave is the NFL has a lot of guys like him. There's a place for him in the NFL. Yes. In an NFL offense, he will be a very good slot receiver, second or third option in an offense and that is no slight because we see this all the time. These NFL teams run the personnel out there that needs a guy like Chris Olave to go over the middle of the field, find the soft spot in zones. He, him after the catch, I was actually pretty impressed with. And to be honest with you, I thought his vertical game was a little bit better than Garrett Wilson's to be completely honest with you. I could see a little bit more vertical threat with him where he can maybe run by guys. I thought he was the faster guy on the film than Garrett Wilson. I know the 40 times don't really, I don't know what did Olave run. He, he tested pretty well in the 40 too. But Olave, Olave, I don't know if it was better than Wilson. No, no, Wilson. Wilson was the faster of the bunch. Olave was a four-four-two. Okay, so it was close. But to me, he was way faster on, on in game film, in game action with the ball in his hands than than Garrett Wilson was. For me, where Olave makes his money is is he is one of the best route runners. He was one of the best route runners in college football. Is one of the best route runners in this class. 
you want a consistent downfield threat, someone that can that can thrive in like that 10 to 15 yard intermediate range, that's your guy. That's Chris Olave. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be that's going to thrive completing five or six yard passes. That's not him. But 10 to 15 yard passes, and then you're going to the next level, 20, 25 yard longer completions. That's where Chris Olave absolutely thrives. If you're looking for uh, after the play, he's after the catch, he's going to be dynamic and and make shifty plays and be all nice on the eye. It's not him. It's not, it's not what Chris Olave is, has to put on some weight for sure. He's a little slim, but the receiver that I had him compared to, and again, I don't like doing this, but it's, it's prototype spot on what what i think you think of polished route runner smaller guy thrives in that intermediate to deep range this is calvin ridley it's interesting interesting because i thought garrett wilson was a little bit more like calvin ridley i th- i thought alave was more of keenan allen interesting interesting of, I, yeah see i think i that's very interesting because i actually think that keenan allen is the one that I actually think he does kind of thrive in that shorter range, but he definitely got better at that as he got further on in his career. He was not like that right off the jump where Alave can come in. He's a, you said it yourself. If you're, if you're looking for your Z receiver, your number two receiver, this is your guy. He's a perfect number two receiver in the national football league, given his elite route running ability He's got solid enough speed where he could separate downfield. Again, the 4-4-2-40 time. And the complete opposite of Garrett Wilson. We talk about the drops with Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave is one of the best set of hands in this draft. I believe the number is, and I, I saw this number a long time ago, so uh, forgive me if uh, this is off, but I believe his, in his career he has like a drop rate, which is nothing. That is ridiculous. Now, people are going to say the drop-off from 2020 to 2021. The answer, pretty simply, is the offense for Ohio State. There were just more pieces in this offense in 2021 than there was in, in 2020. So, you know, take it take it for yeah. what you will but it took cj stroud a little bit too yeah yeah i i i, I think so i think so i also think you know just justin fields also loved chris Lave. and you have the other kid too at ohio state who let's be honest if he was coming out of this draft i think he'd be going ahead of both of them yeah yeah that 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 is very fair that is very 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 fair uh, i actually think call me a little crazy but i would love to see Lave in Chicago with Justin Fields. That's like, that's a, it's not going to happen, but man, oh man, would that be a really, really interesting fit? Even, even Garrett Wilson, even, even Garrett Wilson could be a, uh, a nice fit there. Give Justin Fields someone he's familiar with. I think the Jets might draft Garrett, Garrett Wilson. I have a, I have a funny feeling. We'll see. And I, I won't be all I, you know how I am. You support you support your guys even, even even if you don't love the pick you're gonna support I'll, them regardless until uh, they give you a reason to not support them. I, I'll support them, but I won't come out and say, "Oh my god, you know this guy's sick." I'll say, "You yeah, know, I didn't love him there in the draft, but let's hope for the best." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, I want to talk about Christian Watson because I like him. You love him. What stood out with Christian Watson? Well, I mean, just go look at how. He was guarded by his opponents. I get it. I, I, you know me. I'm not a big competition guy, but obviously it does help from time to time. But it's not his fault that he was. He has to play who he plays against. But if you look at Christian Watson, you had to have. He had to be double teamed almost. There wasn't a single human being. I don't think in college football that can run with this guy. Like you are talking about a special athlete, not just with speed, with size and physicality. I think he can honestly. Bolt. I think there's frame that could still be filled out with Christian Watson. This is a rare, rare athlete. We we have not seen a guy with this size and this speed in quite a while. I, I, I have to say, like, true jet speed, like, like a freaking rocket. Like, it's not just fast. It is fast. So that, that stood out for me as well. The one thing, though, that I didn't love was he has, 
for a guy that fast, he needs to get a little bit better. And I think this will come with better quarterback play and NFL coaching. He needs to get a little bit better at tracking the deep ball. You saw him kind of either overrun, didn't run. There was, he left some, some yards on the table for me and touchdowns. That was a concern, but right away, I mean, I also saw he was also used like a Debo Samuel, obviously not as a running back, but on jet sweeps, just regular screen, just getting the ball in his hands. This guy was a home run hitter for them. And it just a cra- you get him on the edge and he's running. He's gone. He's gone. If he gets space, it's just untouched at that. It's not even like he's breaking. He is just not getting touched. Literally. One of the things that I had written down was he's a gym rat. If you're looking for a guy, it's going to, it's going to test really well. This is, this is your wet dream. This is your wet dream. The tracking, the ball tracking, especially the deep balls, Jake, to a T, to a freaking T. Needs to improve on that and the drops. I watched some film with him where I was literally, I was shaking my head and saying, how the hell does that get dropped? And I did some more research on the drops. He actually had 16 drops on 120 career catchable balls. It has to improve for sure, but the raw intangibles with Christian Watson, they're there. And there is a lot yeah. to like. He's, he's a little bit of a project in terms of route running as well. He's not necessarily the route running technician that we love. But I, I tend to think that NFL coaching is a little bit better at, than North Dakota State, if I must say. I think that's something that will come with a more advanced playbook as well. Wasn't really asked to do a lot. I, that's fair. So I want to talk about uh, Traylon Burks before we get to the, to the tight ends. But I want to give you my sleeper very, very quickly. And I, I just want your opinion on it because I, I, me personally, I'm not sure about him. But the raw stuff that I see, I'm very, very impressed. That's Sky Moore out of yep. Western Michigan. Physical freak. (laughs) Physicality. No, I I put him on there. It's just, for me, just lacked a little bit of a second year for me Mm -hmm. in terms of just raw speed. And you could still be a good receiver in the NFL, but I'm I'm really, you know how I do my projections. A lot of them, it's a true projection on where I think the ceiling is. And to me, it wasn't quite there with him in terms of just that finding that number one receiver type. Yeah, he's, I don't think he's a number one. At, at the next level, but he needs to improve with the route running. I think his, as his overall route tree is very limited because of obviously the, the, the competition that he was playing up against, but I mean, he's just built like a freaking brick. I mean, he's listed at five ten, but in 195 pounds, but 195 pounds is not a wet paper bag. He is absolutely, he's bulky for 195 pounds and he led the FBS this year with 26 tackles broken. That is, that's an absurd number. So if you're looking to get a guy into space, that's that's your guy. Uh, Traylon Burks. Obviously, Mike Dallas Cowboys are supposedly interested in him. He was in Dallas for a visit this week. Uh, for me, this is your prototypical vertical downfield receiver. Maybe I've seen this receiver many times before. It's nothing special to me. What is special, however, is the fact that he is 6'3 and runs like a gazelle. That, to me, is special. Yeah, not the, again, not necessarily the most advanced route runner. But in my opinion, at the next level, he's kind of like that big slot that we're starting to see come into offenses in the NFL. Just a guy to get the, the ball to on the short and intermediate passes. He has pretty good hands as well. He uh, does. Traylon. Very underrated hands too, I think. And, and the thing is, I tend to not really look at a lot of this guy weighs this much, this guy is this tall. To me, this guy was humongous on film. Like, mm-hmm. hu- absolutely humongous. And another one can win those contested catches. The only concern I really have with him is, again, not the most fluent route runner in terms of getting in and out of cuts quickly. I'm not necessarily sold on that aspect, but right away, I mean, this guy on jet sweeps, handoffs, end arounds, screen passes, he will be a quarterback's best friend and a team's best friend to create easy offense to kind of break a slump. This is the guy you want to get the ball to. 
uh, Traylon Burks. And and also it, it does need to go. It, obviously we're, we're looking at abilities, but yeah, I don't know if you heard his college coach talking about him this week. He's a good kid when it, yeah. when it comes down to it. And I, I think that's something that gets overlooked a little bit, a lot with these prospects is the good people tend to be good pros. You know what I'm saying? Not Put all their the heads down, but... work hard, not get distracted by anything. Yep. He said that money won't change this guy. He truly is a great person a guy that would be bought in and that kind of goes when you have talent, it definitely uh, goes somewhere with me. Another concern that I do have with Burks, we go on to your sleeper. We didn't even get to yet. And, uh, and the tight ends is primarily he played out of the slot. So for as big of a guy as he is listed six, three, two twenty five, seventy seven percent of his career snaps came in the slot. I don't know if he really translates to being a slot receiver, in the National Football League. If he does, then it's going to be, have to be for a team that's okay with having the number one receiver be in the slot, which we have seen more and more of. Um, and more of this evolution of receiver that more of them, you know, are, more, are operating out of the slot. Think of Devontae Adams and how many times we saw him move inside when he played in, in Green Bay. But he doesn't have that ability to go outside. And that I think we need to definitely see more of. And he's relatively inexperienced too. Uh, at least what I saw on film, I saw a lot of zone coverage against him. I did not see a lot of man coverage, so that's something that uh, being a little nitpicky uh, could be a little bit of a uh, a downer on uh, on Burks. But Jake, your sleeper, Calvin Austin, Memphis. Ooh, I mean, we all everybody seems to have a soft spot for uh, for Memphis. I'll give you one reason. This guy can just flat out run. Like yeah. we, we'll talk a little bit of a spoiler alert. Sauce Gardner will be my cornerback one. I'm sh- I hope is yours, but we'll we'll talk about it when we get to that episode. He came out and said like this guy was by far the toughest guy for me to cover in college. Like wasn't even a debate because speed kills as we talked about before. And I I think though if he goes to an NFL system that will broaden his horizons a little bit with his responsibilities in an offense with route running concepts with more concepts that kind of fit his game a little bit more than the college game especially on a dynamic offense where he doesn't need to be the guy right away I think we're looking at a potential steal I think if you're telling me Kansas City can come away with him in particular if yeah that that to me is the team that I'm kind of circling a little bit for him or Tampa Bay your, proto- your prototypical gadget player. You want to line him up as a running back, you can do it. You want to line him up as a slot receiver, you could do it. Get the ball in his hands. Early. He, he's impossible to take down. That is, that is spot on. And maybe you look at you know some of the guys that have been this kind of player for Memphis before. You're Tony Pollard. You're Antonio Gibsons. I think Calvin Austin is, is faster than both of them for sure. Um, I don't know if he's as polished as Pollard and, and Gibson are, but can he be? Absolutely. I mean, he was graded, I believe, as a top 30 receiver in in, in just in the country alone just this, this past year, and he averaged somewhere around like seven yards after the catch, which I mean, for, for him is just is, is stupid. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, so, somebody will get a steal with him. I think so. I think so. I don't think it's a bad shot at all. All right. So let's go to the tight ends. I actually am somewhat in the boat of saying this is a pretty, I don't want to say deep, but you could get some really good options at the, at this tight end position this year. I think much like the receivers where it's pretty deep. I think that the tight ends, you can get some real good value out of uh, out of some of the out of some of the receivers uh that some of the tight ends this year excuse me uh so my number five i have gone with kate otten out of washington going with charlie kohler out of iowa state number four i have gone with isaiah likely out of coastal carolina cole turner for me out of nevada jeremy ruckert out of the Ohio State. Rucker for me as well. Two, I went with uh, Greg Dol- Greg Dolchik out of UCLA. I went with Isaiah Likely. 
Very interesting. The number one, and then number one, I think we're the same, is Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Yep. So I'm a big, big fan of McBride. And if we're going off of the year that he just had, where it was an pretty much, it was an all time sort of season for a tight end in college football. 122 targets, 91 receptions, 1,125 receiving yards, 12.4 yards per reception. Only one touchdown, however. So puts a little bit of a damper on that. But the numbers for him, hey, you, you want to be just a stat reader? I mean, that's incredible year for, for McBride, who just completely came out of nowhere to become a, a star for the Rams. Yeah, and you know what? To be honest with you, Trey McBride is another thing is he excels at press coverage against safeties and line. You know what I'm saying, though? He's one of those guys where he's a true unicorn where he will get open when he's not open, if that makes sense. He could be covered and in contested catches, he won't shy away. He'll go up and get it for you. In his zone, no problem. I'll find the soft spot in the zone. That's to me is a big thing and position versatility. I'll talk about that a lot with these guys. You could do anything with him. He could put his hand in the dirt. He could be an H back. He, you can put him in the slot. Hell, you could even put him out wide, particularly in red zone situations. So I, I, the one touchdown, it is what it is. This is college. This is Colorado state. I'm not stats are the stats, whatever. If he had one touchdown or 20 touchdowns, I would still have the same opinion on him. So just the versatility and the things you could do with this guy especially as an inline blocker. Like this isn't just a one trick pony where he's just a vertical threat. You put him in the slot. This guy to me is a, a day one tight end starter. And we're a fantasy show. I think he's a sneaky fantasy option depending where he goes. Depending on where he goes. Yeah, he definitely could be. The competition, we talk about it. We don't want to use it as a crutch. However, he was really playing against lower level competition. So that's something to, to, to look at maybe as a sort of a downside with with McBride he's not very dynamic he's really just a straight line after the catch take the ball run up field and when he get when he gets tackled he gets tackled sort of guy he's not going to really you know be put a move on anybody or, any, or anything like that in college he, he definitely won a lot sort of as a one-on-one lineup on the outside quarterback throws up a jump ball he comes down with it sort of guy that's not going to be him in the National Football League. He just won't be allowed to win those one-on-one outside battles. So he'll have to definitely evolve into being that more inside guy, which he can be. He definitely can be, for, for sure. He had a very advanced route tree for someone in college, too, and definitely playing a Colorado State, where I don't think a lot of people are going to say, you know, it's a, that's a top you know power school or anything like that. But it, the, the Colorado State offense ran a pretty sophisticated, almost pro-like offense where McBride got to learn a lot of different concepts that are going to be valuable to him at, at, at the next level. He dealt with linebackers with ease. I don't know if that's going to really, you know, stick in the NFL, but he did it in college. And like you said, Jake, this is an all around, this is an all around tight end. He wanted to block done. You wanted to make your catches done. This is a dude that is going to be a do it all Swiss army knife at the tight end position for any team that wants to go out and and draft them. And I would be, I wouldn't be remotely surprised if there's a team that potentially wants to take a chance on that at the end of, at the end of round one, I think he's more of a day two pick, but would it surprise me? No. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I personally think Isaiah likely is not that far behind to be quite yeah, honest I mean, let- with you. I even contemplated having him as my number one tight end for being quite frank. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's just go and talk about Isaiah likely right now. I mean, why not? Coastal Carolina, this dude, he, he popped for me. Uh, I was very, very yeah. impressed. And I was, I'm, I'm not like a guy that's going to say, oh, yeah, I've watched every coastal game under the sun. I haven't. But from what I saw with Isaiah Likely, yeah, I, I was rel- relatively impressed. He could sneak in for me as a late day two, early round, early day three pick. I think a team is getting a really, really good steal there. I, I personally think he might. I wouldn't be shocked if he even went ahead of Trey McBride. To me, this guy was running like a wide receiver playing an all-around tight end role. 
very, very, very rare talent at the tight end position. I think that the competition is used against him a little too much in the draft analysis. I don't know how team. We'll see how the teams feel about him. Obviously, come draft day. But this guy is. We'll we'll talk about this on about a multitude of different guys where he was truly used as an all around tight end. Wasn't just you're lined up wide, you're lined up in the slot, just go catch passes vertical. Nuh-uh. This guy was doing a lot of the dirty work that NFL tight ends do and is another one where I could see him being a team starting tight end from opening day next year, to be quite honest with you. And to be honest, the tight end is tough, the transition from college to the pros. We talked about this all the time. The responsibilities heighten. You're obviously dealing with grown men. The blocking, blocking is truly the area where rookies tend to have a tougher time getting on the field. My top two guys here, I don't think that will be a major problem for them, but the way they were used by their team. So that's why I'm really high on these two in particular. Before we get into our sleeper picks, I want to talk about our, both of our consensus uh, number three tight end. And that is Long Island's own Jeremy Ruckert. Six, five, two fifty, very large human being for me. Xbox guy watched it more than enough times. You want a guy with, with safe, reliable, secure hands. That's Jeremy Ruckert. You want him to block. That's it. He's just a do it all, all around tight end. And I was, he doesn't do anything necessarily, particularly where I go, wow, you know, that's, that's a star. But is he, is he your kind of safe, consistent, going to do it all for you kind of guy? Yes. Uh, that's Jeremy Ruckert. It's just, I'm kind of banking a little bit more on the projection of yes, he'll be used more as a receiver at the next level than he was in college. We don't have a ton to really go off of to assess him in the passing game because obviously we know that Ohio State does not necessarily deploy their tight their tight ends like a receiver. Yeah. So it's kind of okay. The limited action that we saw him in the passing game, we're like, wow, this is a guy that can go up the seam and beat man coverage and be that dominant force over the middle for a quarterback, as well as be a plus a plus blocker in pass protection, obviously in run blocking. We're banking a little bit on the, the unknown with him. And to me, that was something that was appealing, but the gap isn't that significant for me from, from my number three to like number seven tight end to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah. They're very uh, bunched up once you get past McBride and then, um, even, even Dolchik for me, I thought was, it was like a massive step down from McBride. And then it's just like the rest are just kind of bunched in together with who all present different up. things. I'm glad you brought him up because to me, I just think he needs to develop a lot as a, like a lot as a blocker. But Dolchik was a new, yeah, he wasn't used to play. He was barely yeah. a blocker. He was a receiver essentially yep. for them. Yeah. He, he, he's your prototypical. I think when I, when I did, um, when I looked at, uh, Dolchik, I kind of looked at him sort of like as a as a Trey Burton type, not necessarily your go to blocking guy, but he's going to catch and he's going to catch a good amount of balls for you. So if you're looking for looking for just your run down the field, catch safe hands kind of guy, that, that is that is Dolchik for sure. All right. Um, our sleepers. I'll go first with mine. I'm going to go for uh, out of Virginia, Jelani Woods for me. I mean, you're getting a guy at 6'7", 265 at the tight end position. If he could just lean a little bit, I mean, who who is covering that? The thing with him, as I thought he was a little slow on tape for me, I think just his, he needs to work on the agility side just a little bit, but he had a very safe, secure set of hands, which I like to see. And the size, I mean, right then and there, you're putting a six, seven guy. That's just, you, you can't cover that. You cannot cover that. Yeah, that, that, that was more than likely going to be mine. I'll go with Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. I've mm-hmm. heard that teams view him a little bit as a rucker, where if you put him in, the, in an NFL offense, it kind of suits him a little bit more than the college game and what he does well. He turned a lot of heads also at the senior bowl. So, yes. Yes, he did. That's a guy where I could see him being a much better professional than he was in college. And we kind of look back and say, wow, he was found in the fourth or fifth round of the NFL draft. (laughs) So I'll go with him as the sleeper. But yes, I agree with you. And then another name, too, for anybody who likes the uh, the big, uh, the big beefy boys 
at the tight end position, Austin Allen at Nebraska, 6'9", right there. But then two others that I, that I think are, are contributors that are going to be polished enough to, to play right away, uh, Jeremiah Hall out of Oklahoma, and then Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State. I do love Charlie Kohler. I had him as my number five, but now six nine. He's he runs too slow for me. Yeah, he's too slow. But if you just need a guy in the one yard line, could just could maybe throw yeah, a ball yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a role for someone that's six nine. There could be a, a role. tight end <laughs> in the National Football League. There's a role. There's a role. Just you know, he just needs to be more polished uh, in that. All right, let's go to the draft needs for the AFC West. This division has just gotten better and better over the course of the offseason. And now let's talk about the needs for each of these teams in the AFC West. So let's start with Justin Herbert and the Chargers. For me, it is one thing and one thing only, and that is tackle. They need to get their hands on a tackle to protect the franchise. Another tackle, perhaps on defense, they could use a linebacker. Yep. They could. I mean, a lot of teams could really use a linebacker. Maybe another corner as well to go on the other side of J.C. Jackson. Yeah. But, yes, Justin Herbert's the franchise. You must get a – I wouldn't be shocked if they trade out for one either, to be be completely honest. I wouldn't either because I I think if if they get their hands on one of – let's just, you know, play fantasy land for a second. If they trade up – and they take an Evan Neal or an Ikem, or an Iki Aquano. I mean, what does this team really need to to, to go and draft just in, in the future? In the future, I think this is really a draft where they they beef up their remaining needs, and then from there on out, it's just a matter of you know what do you lose in an off season, and what can you just go and draft? I mean, the Chargers are really set up quite well, big time. And it, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about the Chargers potentially winners of the AFC West. Uh, this I also year. I, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers don't go to the playoffs because of how good the AFC West is. Very fair, very fair. There's always the upside of that's with every yeah. team in this division. Every team in that division, it is. I wouldn't be surprised if they and the AFC North for that matter too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The AFC is just very competitive. So if you're the Jets. I think oh, I think on, it's, it's no 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 no. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. I'm just saying if there's a time for the Jets to not necessarily be super competitive, this might be it. Well, because you're not having to contend with the with the demons that are in this conference now. Well, it's it's. I don't want to get too off topic, but in their own division, like I don't think the Patriots roster is necessarily special. No. I mean, oh. I don't think two is all that great. Obviously, uh-huh. Buffalo is in a whole nother stratosphere. But yeah. in our own division, I would like for us to win a game at least this year. Yeah, but compete. We'll I, think, I think the Jets will. I think the Jets will be will be competitive. But all, all I'm saying is, oh, to be like a Super Bowl contender, yeah, it might not be the ideal time to be one. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It might not be the ideal time to want to say, oh yeah, we're we're competing when you're when you have the Browns, the, the every team in the AFC West, the Bills, the the, the, the Titans, the, the Colts maybe. There are a lot of really solid teams in, in the AFC, if not good, great teams in the in the AFC. So maybe that would be the worst thing for the Jets to, uh, to not compete. But, yes, for the Chargers, have to protect the franchise. Uh, let's do the Las Vegas Raiders, who, of course, traded their first-round pick to the Packers for Devontae. Adams for me this is this has to be defense 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 specifically in their secondary they need to get a top tier shutdown corner that will not do any bullshit and do a Damon Arnett you need a good character guy I think they could use another corner but how weird is it this year without a John Gruden for in the first round. It's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel something will feel empty at the end of the first round where we just say, where, where's, where's the guy that should have been picked in the on late day two, early day three, getting drafted in the first round in the twenties. Where is it? I, literally. It's going to be very, very sad to see John Gruden and Mike Mayock, not completely shocking everyone with a, <laughs> uh, with an Alex Leatherwood kind of selection or Arnett or, or guys from Clemson. 
Or guys from Clemson. Yeah, or guys from Clemson. Um, let's go to the let's do let's let's do the Broncos. We'll do the Broncos next. Uh, Jake, what do the Broncos need? It's funny because they're another team with not too many holes. I'm not going to lie to you. They have a lot invested in wide receiver, but I think they could use another pass catcher. I think they could use one. I think they could use another top tier pass catcher. I I do too. I think that's end. McBride. Could be a fit there. Could be a fit there. I think they could use another pass catcher. Please don't draft another running back if you care about all of our sanities and maybe (sighs) don't resign Melvin Gordon too. Please, God. Please, God. Now, from a fantasy perspective, hell no. Hell no. But I think we'll be lucky enough because they don't have that first round pick. So maybe, maybe there's a chance they won't be able to get one um, on day two, which would be, which would be lovely. And the Kansas City Chiefs. Pass catcher. Uh, they need a receiver. They need a receiver. They have two first round picks. They need a receiver. They need an edge rusher. They probably need a defensive tackle as well to partner with Chris Jones. And I know they acquired Justin Reed. They signed him. But you still lost Tyron Matthew, who's the leader of that defense. You need to get your hands on another safety. And I think they, they also lost uh, Traverius Ward, if I'm not mistaken. Went to the 49ers. Free agency they, as well, yes. They, they are they do, in talks. Yeah, they do, they do need a corner. So I think corner could make a lot of sense for them. But receiver is is a must. And I know we've talked about this in the past where you have said you would love to see Christian Watson end up in Kansas city. Oh yeah. That is, I I would be surprised about two things in this draft. Number one, it's kind of like an or situation. I would be shocked if Kansas city stays at 29 and 30. I find it hard to believe they are not trying to trade up. I agree. I don't think it helps them to be stuck at the back end of the first round. Honestly. Nope. And if they, for some reason, do, I think one of those picks will be David Ajabo out of Michigan. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of people that do love Ajabo as well. I'm kind of meh on Ajabo, but I see, I see it. I see it. Just for me, I think, I think he's a little bit. He needs some polishing for me. Yeah, especially now with the, his injury doesn't help. But no, Kansas City, yeah. they have holes, and they they need to get out of the habit of thinking okay we have Patrick Mahomes it'll all be okay no 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 you need to build a little bit more of a complete football team because you are going to play some they are no longer going to be the overwhelming force that they've been in the past where okay no problem we got Mahomes we'll go in here and we'll just steamroll these guys no 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 they're, they're playing some opponents now that are they are no longer the alpha side. yep they are no longer the alpha no way it is a 1a 1b 1c 1d in the AFC West they have to improve and I think I think maybe they're caught up in like the, uh, the 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 Packers disease for the last couple of years of the Packers just saying, oh, we have Aaron Rodgers. He's just, he's just going to make somebody else good. They can't fall into that with Patrick Mahomes. No, oh they can't. The Otherwise, I can't, wait. I can't wait till we do that division. Oh, it's going to be just such an adventure. And by the way, I also want to point out uh, to the Chiefs fans who are still all pissed off about Tyree Kill leaving. This is what happens when you pay a quarterback a gazillion dollars. It's funny you mention that because I see all these tweets out there like, oh, the Chiefs are going to go get DK Metcalf. Excuse me, didn't they just not want to pay a wide receiver? Right. right. <laughs> they're Hello. just going to go out there and, and, and just pay another one? Right. They're going to tra- They're gonna go take Tyree Kill and they're going to bring in DK Metcalf. I, hey, my keeper team, I would love to see it. I would be over the moon. But realistically, not a fucking chance. Pardon my French, but not a chance. No, and There's even the no Packers way. too. Like, right, right. I, I think, where's this I coming think from? I, I just mentioned mentioned that just in speaking when we were talking about Tyreek Hill. That I was a little surprised that that the that the Packers didn't were in on Tyreek Hill more, but they couldn't pay Devontae Adams. So why were they going to go pay Tyreek Hill? Who made more no, money? No, it, it don't make sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. They're going to go younger at the position. They've already given. $10 million a year to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who, oh, by, who, by the way, I have, whoa, whoa. God, his agent deserves an absolute raise. I want his agent. I want to call that guy and be like, yo, what can, what can you get me? I could just say I have surefire hands. I, I run a half-decent 40, and I smile nice. 
So maybe, maybe I can, uh, I can get a, uh, hell, if they don't give me a million dollars, million dollars for four years, I'm, I'm, hell, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I'll take that. Take that all day. to the men. So that is going to be it for this edition of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Next week, we go into the offensive linemen. So we'll be talking about just the offensive line as a collective. So we'll be talking about your tackles, your guards, and your centers. And continuing with our divisional breakdowns, we will be doing the AFC South next week, wrapping up the AFC. And then later in the week, we start with the NFC East. And boy, can I not wait to talk about my Dallas Cowboys. Oh, it's going to be a great time for all parties involved. So for Jake, I am Bird. Everyone enjoy your weekends. Enjoy watching Tiger. And hopefully we'll talk to you next week with Tiger Wood, Ty's Jack Nicholas for his sixth green jacket. Until then, we'll talk to you next week. Jake, I'm Bird. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.